and welcome to Lionhearted Marketing. This is a podcast for bold businesses who are ready to go from a slightly scattergun marketing approach to connecting everything they're doing to create joyful, repeatable customer journeys that build connection and consistently convert new clients. That's called a funnel, if you fancy. If you have that nagging feeling, you should have more of a grasp on your marketing, more of a plan, more of a system to support your pretty successful business, you're in the right place. This isn't about trying loads of new strategies. It's about taking what you've got and making the most of it. I'm Sophie, your host, self-confessed tea superfan, marketing strategist, and funnels, or joyful journeys, as I like to call them, demystifier. Join me every Tuesday for my lion-hearted approach to marketing to help you navigate those big moves, stay focused on your goals, and ultimately take your business to the next level. Let's jump into today's episode. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Lionhearted Marketing. Now it is the first week back for school in the UK for many of us and I for one am very excited to get back to a little bit of structure, a little bit of normality and I have to say I bloody love September. September energy is my vibe. I've always loved that feeling uh, and energy in September of like coming back to school to summer holidays and that natural then break at Christmas as well. I often find that a lot of the work I've put in the rest of the year tends to come to fruition in this time of, in this period. And I just absolutely love the energy. Now, my behind the scenes episodes are always the most popular that I do. So I thought what I might do is start doing them every, every like eight to 12 weeks and just really give you an insight into how the business is growing and evolving because I know that it's always really interesting, well, I love it anyway, to hear about what other people are doing in their business. Um, I also invest a lot in coaching and training, and I always love to share what I'm learning, how I'm learning it, and how I'm putting it into practice as well, because I also think that's just really interesting as well. Happened. So the last behind-the-scenes episode I did was when I launched the Lionhearted Marketing podcast back in June. So it's been three months. And gosh, what a three months it's been. So at the beginning of the year, I was really just focusing on helping service businesses grow their email list using Facebook ads. Um, and really, really successfully, I had lots of one-to-one clients. I had a group program and the results were really great. What I've evolved to over time is to continue helping clients grow their email list, but also integrate email marketing into that and then turn these subscribers into clients. And as time's gone on, you know, I'm looking much more at customer journeys, funnels, if you want to call them that, and how we can still be be the face of our business, you know, the brand, the values, us, like that personalization and that contact with clients and potential clients, but also allow ourselves to create that time and energy freedom that comes when you have systems and processes working in the background for you. And you can just do the stuff that really adds value and is really critical to running your business and getting the clients the results that they want. Now, the reason that it has kind of evolved in this way is partly because it's what my clients have asked for. It's partly because the results I've been getting when I've been doing with clients, but also it's a reflection of how I've evolved my business as well. So last year and for the first chunk of this year, I was just running Facebook ads to grow my email list. And... I always get incredible feedback on my emails, which is really lovely. But I was still finding that most of my clients actually came from Instagram. Everyone always says like, you know, the money's in the list and you'll get higher conversions from your email list. 
But honestly, I've put so much time and energy into connecting with people on Instagram and I just was still finding that most people were connecting with me on Instagram, which I didn't have a problem with. However, what I did feel was that I was a bit beholden to Instagram, if you like, and probably was spending proportionally too much of my time on it in a week, considering it's just one marketing channel in my business. So that's something that I was thinking quite a lot about. Now, if we just go back to May and June, I had a big increase in clients, which is really lovely. But I also spent a lot of time at events, and I've talked about this before. I went to Atomicon, I had some in-person mastermind days. I also had a couple of other like single day events, all of them really, really worthwhile doing. But I think because of the bank holidays and the Easter holidays in April and May, I think my actual days working almost halved over two months from where they were. And what I didn't do is actually account for that in terms of the amount of clients I took on or the amount of work I was doing. So I still took on clients and did the work, but I was just working a lot in the evenings and at weekends. Also, because I relaunched my um, podcast and my business and rebranded, and not only was that you know, very front-facing in terms of I had to redo my website and everything, there was also just, I can't tell you how much admin there was in the background for that. Moving over website domain names, my email domain, my calendar, all of my back-end systems that then connect to my calendar, my marketing system, like my emails, uh, then had to move over because they were coming from a new email address. There was just so much in the background, I can't tell you. And I did most of it myself because I just totally underestimated how much there was going to be to do. So that was just a huge amount of work. And I got to the point where I relaunched the business and the podcast and it went so well. And I had such a high that like week or two as I was like getting it all out there and it had such an amazing response and it was so lovely. And in my mind, so going into early July, that was like my springboard for, you know, this new kind of content, this up-leveled, slightly bolder content you know, going out with this new offering, these new services that I've been working on. And it was just, I was like ready to sort of relaunch and then grow into this new business that I'd been like working on since February. And then what actually happened was I had an insanely busy May and June, as I've just said, and then did the relaunch. At the end of the, the relaunch week, I actually had my sister's Hendu, which I was organizing, you know, co-organizing. I then the next week I solo parented for a week because my husband was away, which always is quite a big shift because we're quite equal in terms of the time and parenting we do with the kids. And then we went into the end of the summer term. Now, Eliza is only in year one, so this is only my second end of summer term. I think I need to write a big old post-it note in my diary for next summer term to tell myself to give myself the space and the grace to not uh, do too much because, oh my goodness, I had forgotten or didn't realise just how challenging that would be. Not only is there the extra events and that sort of thing, but my daughter, she struggles with change and yeah, there was changes to the timetable, you know, she was used to. There were changes to everything that was going on at school, the thought of kind of moving to a new classroom and a new teacher, she kind of really struggled with. And we had, we had a lot going on in the background with that as well. And essentially what it meant was instead of this wonderful launch into a new business, new 
new clients and new services and these up-leveled content, what it meant was I had to just drop anything that wasn't essential. So I just doubled down on my client work and my essential marketing, which for me looks like the podcast and email. And I basically dropped social media. And for a few weeks, pretty much the only content I put out was uh, about the podcast and then some stories, Instagram stories, which I find relatively easy to do. But even that kind of dropped off that quite a lot. So what I did was I created quite a lot of space for myself just to allow myself to do the sort of mission critical work, if you like. We went into the summer holidays and actually it was a big relief. A lot of the pressure sort of dropped off. My husband was at home, even though I dropped down to three days a week childcare, actually it felt much more manageable because I'd created this space for myself by not doing a lot of the stuff, a lot of the admin stuff, a lot of the social media stuff that I didn't need to be doing. And I had quite a big realization that I needed to be doing for myself what I do for my clients. And that is creating a lot more automation, outsourcing, and not picking back up this stuff that I dropped but making sure it was done in a different way. So I sort of started working out what that might look like. So in terms of like, what could I afford to outsource versus what should I be automating so that it just works in the background. So I invested in some support up leveling my Dubsado to make sure that works as smoothly as possible, onboarding new clients, invoicing, scheduling appointments. So that was a one-off investment and now that runs really, really well. The next thing I did was get super clear on my boundaries with my clients. I am, I'm an overgiver. I absolutely adore working with my clients and making sure that they get the results that they want and that I want for them. However, what it does sometimes mean is that I make myself available all the time for all things. And actually, I had to really think about, okay, how do I want to be spending my time? Is it that I want to spend more time on Zoom calls? Is it that I find Voxer in between the Zoom calls more productive? Um, I'm really thinking about what is going to be best for the clients and for me, and then working out what those boundaries are and putting them in place. For me, it looks like a really structured strategy call at the beginning of every month for most of my clients. And then I actually started using Trello boards, which I haven't used in a really long time. But I use Voxer to contact my clients in between calls. And we were going going backwards and forwards. And whilst the voice notes are amazing, I love a voice note. You can't review them really quickly. And if there were lots of actions after our strategy call, sort of putting them in Voxer or emailing them over, it just felt like it was all a bit disjointed. So I'm now using Trello boards for all of my clients, which is working really well. We have an actions list. We have a list of all like key links and documents. We have an overview of the strategy. And I can put in documents like the monthly results and that sort of thing. So that was implemented, which is working really well. And then we're using Voxer still, but actually I'm finding I'm using Voxer a lot less because we've now got this structure of the strategy calls and Trello. And between those two things, actually, Voxer is then more for like ad hoc, you know, check-ins or, you know, little kind of, oh, could you have a look at this? So that's something that I've really, has been really helpful as well. The third thing that I decided to do was really have a look at my social media. So Instagram has always been really challenging for me. I absolutely love it, but I know that I have a bit of a tendency to spend far too much time on it. I have lots of ideas for content and then it kind of often it can feel like it's consuming my my mind. Like 
all the time I'm like, oh, that would be a good idea for content. Oh, I should put that. Oh, that would be a good story. And it, I find that even when I'm not working, I can't switch off from it. So I decided, yeah, at the beginning of the summer holidays that that needed, that really needed to stop. Like I need, needed to be able to find that space when I'm not working to actually not work. So I started working with the social media manager, which has been amazing and is incredibly exciting. And I mean, August is a terrible time to start with the social media manager, by the way, because the engagement and everything drops off massively. So it's quite hard to work out what is working and what doesn't. And it's just natural that it's all kind of dropping off. But what we have been able to do is work on our process of working together, you know, how how I give her, you know, content ideas, how I review the um, captions, because I still really want to be really involved. Also, I've been doing a messaging course over the summer with Rachel Pearson, uh, who is incredible, by the way. I have absolutely loved working with her over the six weeks as a group course, and it's been all about messaging. And because I had so many thoughts about how I wanted to evolve my messaging once I rebranded, but what I was finding was I couldn't, I was struggling to, to bring them to reality. Like I know high level what I want to do. I know who the client is I want to talk to, but how, what does that look like day to day in my Instagram, in my emails? You know, I was finding there was like my website was, was more how I wanted it, but I wasn't able to translate that into my, in, you know, my day to day messaging. And, you know, Rachel has massively helped with that. So between working with Lauren, my new social media manager, and then Rachel on the messaging, social media suddenly is feeling so much more fun and rewarding and less stressful because I'm not having to get involved in the day to day. I can't tell you the joy of like coming to work on a Monday morning and logging on to see that I've already posted on Instagram and there's, you know, engagement and people sort of getting stuff from the content. It's just, oh. It's utterly wonderful. So that has been, has freed up so much of my time and energy, which has been amazing. The fourth thing I've done is to look at how I record the podcast. Now, I have to admit, I'm utterly terrible. I have really, really good intentions with like pitching my content and, you know, to having a podcast day once a month where I get all the podcast stuff done. The reality is, it just doesn't, hasn't happened over over the summer holidays, I think partly because I've only been working three days a week anyway. So to take a day out to do the podcast just felt too much when I'm only working three days. However, I am committed to making this a reality. I'm recording this two weeks before it goes out. Um, I will also record my other solo episode for September today as well. So that's going to be a big change. I do have a podcast VA as well. So once I've recorded and edited the podcast, she then puts it into the right uh, systems and does the website and creates the graphic and all, does all that sort of stuff for me as well. So I'm getting some support with that as well because the podcast is an incredibly important marketing tool for me. I would say eight or nine out of 10 people that I get on a call with say they've listened to the podcast in some way, whether they say they've like binged the episodes or they listen to a episode that you know, may push them, you know, to get in touch with me. Such an incredible tool for connecting with people over a longer period of time and helping them like hear my voice and get to know me and what I'm like. I absolutely love it. However, when I do it weekly, it is a beast. Like to record it, to then edit it and write the show notes. It's it's a good sort of half day a week. And when you're only working three days a week, uh, that is pretty uh, tough going actually. Um, and I don't ever want it to become a burden to the point where I resent doing it or the energy and the episodes is a bit lacking because I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to do it today. 
So that's really important for me to make sure that the podcast planning and structure is set up so that I feel like it's done and then it gets released into the wild and then I can come back to it the next month. So that's really exciting. And then the fifth thing that I have been working on to really create this sort of time and why don't they create or keep this time and energy freedom that I've sort of allowed myself to to do when I had to drop everything is really working on my own customer journey. Now, because I rebranded everything, I needed to redo all of my email automations. Now, originally, I was just going to rebrand them. And then I decided, obviously, that I needed to rewrite the whole thing. And that really links into my ads as well. So I stopped running ads when I rebranded because I needed to do a new lead magnet. And then what I realized was actually I needed to do the whole thing. So I have been working on over the summer, testing out some new lead magnets. So I've actually done three different lead magnets. I've tested them and I now have one I'm going to be moving forward with. I haven't actually, I think I've actually put it on organic social media yet. I've been testing them using ads. It's called Automate to Elevate. It's actually my three-step blueprint to creating a personalized customer journey that gives you time and energy freedom whilst maintaining your financial success. So I will put the link to that in the show notes if you want a copy of that. But you can click there and sign up for it. It's had such a good response on Facebook ads. I've been really, really excited about how well it's done. So that was a big thing for me is finding a lead magnet that attracted the clients I'm looking to attract, but also got people clicking on the emails, opening it, downloading it and taking action. So I've been testing that out on my ads. So those are lead ads I'm using to get people to download the lead magnet. And then I'm also using engagement ads to put podcast episodes and some of my social media posts in front of the people that are downloading the lead magnet. So once they've downloaded the lead magnet, they then will see things like my uh, yeah episodes of my podcast. They'll see social media content and so that they can kind of bring them further into my world immediately. So I want to make sure that if they've downloaded the lead magnet, then they probably want to listen to the podcast episode that's relevant, like the next step from that. Well, I'm looking at the results of those and testing different podcast episodes and different pieces of content. And it's been a bit of a slow process because I wanted to test different types of content, but we've had to make, you know, wait till we've created that content and got it out there. So I'm now creating content and podcast episodes as well, thinking about, okay, this piece of content or this kind of podcast episode would be really good for to put back in front of people who've just downloaded this lead magnet. So I then need to put that in my plan to make sure I actually you know, create that post or make that podcast episode. So that's been part of the overall plan as well. And this structure of the lead ads and then the engagement ads, and eventually I will do some sort of low cost offer. So something that is useful that's probably probably under £20 that helps people put this into uh, practice. And that will also go on social media as well and offered to people who have downloaded the lead magnet or engaged with my content in some way. So that's my £15 a day Facebook ads funnel. I'll actually do a separate episode on that because I think that's really important to kind of go into the different elements of that. But I will be running that myself. So maybe in my next behind the scenes update, I can, I will have a low cost offer and I can let you know how those kind of three types of ads are working together and what they're kind of bringing me. I've got clients um, who are running this funnel already and it's so powerful to see those sales coming in every day. Like the idea is a sale a day 
from those low cost ads and it offsets the cost of their ads essentially. It's not to you know, make loads of money and you know, have it as a massive income stream. It's more about converting um, subscribers into clients as quickly as possible and then offsetting some of your ads costs so that when you, you know, you can scale those ads, so you're not just spending £15, maybe you can then spend £30 or £45. But if you're all still offsetting the cost of them, it just means you're reaching more people without having to just um, invest in the ads up front. So it kind of takes away some of the, the risk associated with the ad spend. So that's my next step is to implement that last section of the funnel. But, you know, it takes time to bring all of this stuff together. Like I need to actually create what it is I'm going to sell and do a sales page and then test it organically as well. So there's still quite a lot you know, around that as well. But, you know, just taking it a step at a time. Um, and I want to kind of uh, share that, that, you know, it's not a case of like you can just whip up this funnel in an afternoon. There is a lot of stuff that most people will already have that you could then pull into this customer journey that you can kind of create. But a lot of it also takes time um, and energy as well. But yeah, so I think where, oh, the only other thing I had on my list to mention was my email. I've been working a lot on my email automations as well. So um, testing out different emails, testing out different um, flows, you know, how many emails do I want to be sending to people? to try and get them to download the lead magnet how many emails is good in a welcome sequence you know what subject lines are going to are working within the welcome sequence what emails are getting opened what emails are not getting opened where am i like losing people what's of real interest to people what are people really clicking through on so just yeah really taking notice of the data and trying to make little tweaks again it's the more people you have going through the funnel, the more data you have. So the more you run ads and the more you can spend on ads, the more you'll get that data quickly. So it's more a case of just for me keeping an eye on those emails. I, at the moment, I've currently got a sequence of three emails you go through once you get the lead magnet. If you don't download it, as soon as you click download, then you drop out of that sequence and move into the welcome sequence. And the welcome sequence, I think, has four emails at the moment. I can't remember off the top of my head either three or four emails which I will be adding to over time and I also want to introduce a sequence that walks you through more like what I offer it and how I offer so at the moment I don't really have a sales focused email sequence that actually talks to people about the services that I offer it's much more about like me an introduction to me and how I work and my kind of ethos rather than the specific services I offer and so that's the next step for me is the more of the sales focused email automation and then the low cost offer ads. And the only other thing I will mention is that early in July I started emailing daily on the days that I work, uh, which is Monday to Thursday. So I started doing an email Monday to Thursday. Now it's partly because I joined Rob and Kennedy's email marketing heroes community. And they advocate daily. They actually advocate seven days a week, but I felt like that was too much of a commitment for me personally. And for my audience, considering that I'd been emailing once a week, maybe twice a week. But I went to four emails a week and I will I will do a more in-depth episode on that because most people will be horrified hearing that, I imagine. Like, oh my God, A, doing it every day and B, receiving emails that much is just too much. I didn't find that my open rates dropped that much. Initially, I did have a higher level of unsubscribes. However, that's really settled now. Um, and I don't have a higher level of unsubscribes. 
I just have the normal amount. And I get a really consistent open rate of around anywhere from like 42 to 46%, which is really high. And like mostly you'd be happy if you got over 30% is sort of a industry benchmark. I get good click-through rates. People engage in my emails. I get really good response from my emails. So I'm actually going to continue doing that. It might be more, I might do three a week. I'm going to see what my, again, this sort of time and energy freedom. There's always one email about the podcast, which is um, on a Tuesday. And so there's then either two or three additional emails to write. Actually, I find them quite easy. They're quite short emails. I, they're kind of story-based, which I really like. and I find quite easy to write. They're almost like social media, longer social media captions. So I don't find them that hard to write. But, you know, I do have to write them. I do tend to write them on the day, which isn't me being unorganized. That's actually what they advocate because it's more than, you know, what you're thinking about at that point and you can keep it really relevant for your audience. So I'm going to continue with it for now and just see how I get on. If I find that it feels too much of a, you know, if I want to take a day off and I feel like, oh God, I've got to write my email still then I will reduce it down. But I think for now, I feel I feel okay, actually, about that. I feel great about the results that it's kind of getting me and people are responding to the emails, clicking through, replying, getting in touch with me. So that feels really nice as well. But again, that's kind of, I would say that's under review going forward. So yeah, so those are the five things I've been working on and and probably number six and seven as well. I sort of lost count towards the end, to be honest. But I hope that's useful and interesting. And if you've got any questions at all about anything, please do just pop me a DM on Instagram. Although I do have a social media manager now, I still do my own DMs and I do still reply to comments on all posts myself. And I do all, most of my stories myself as well. So yeah, I'm still there on Instagram. It's more a case of actually getting consistent grid content out there that I needed help with. That was always my blocker. So yes all the rest of the stuff is still me if you want to come and have a chat with me in the dms let me know how you've got with this episode if you found it useful if you've got any questions i always always love to hear from you and i will be back with one of these episodes probably just before christmas which will be a nice roundup of kind of how autumn and q4 has gone and the things i'm going to be focusing on in early 2024 can you believe it I hope you have a lovely day and I will see you next week. Thank you so much for joining me this week. Before you go, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can receive new episodes every Tuesday when they're released. And if you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to rate or leave a review wherever you're listening to it. It only takes a few seconds, but it really does make a massive difference to new people finding me. Thank you again for joining me, Sophie, in this episode of Lionhearted Marketing. See you next time.